And it's another edition of Between Two Femmes because it is a Thursday afternoon at lunchtime, one o'clock. Good afternoon, Aspasia. Oh, wait a minute. I don't have your microphone on. No. There no, you go. I now am. I have you on. Sure <sighs> what else would we be doing at lunchtime on a Thursday? Well, you would probably be chasing some kind of deadline as the editor of Marie Claire, or you'd be doing something. You'd be gallivanting around the world because, there is you know. <laughs> there is that possibility. There is. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you, love? I'm fine, thank you. Um, it's been a busy week. It certainly has. Today is a big day with the State of the Nation address happening. Yes, and that's in our women's news. That is isn't even like, we should just go right there. Should we there. just go straight into it? Yeah. All right, okay. We should play our jingle. Yeah, okay. No, let's, um, let's get straight into the women's news <laughs> on Between Two Fans. I feel like we should have a voice that introduces us, like the voice of God. Here we go. <laughs> Um, it is the State of the Nation address tonight. It certainly is. And I think it's a big day for <laughs> the speaker. Oh, yes. That would be Balikambet. Balikambet. Yeah. We're going to see how she manages. Will she manage to keep well, parliament you know, under control? Baleka has, she finds herself in a difficult position because, you know, she obviously has to try and protect the president as much as is humanly possible. Uh, her being well, a member uh, of the ANC, but true. then there's also she, this yeah. position that she holds in Parliament, and we know how the EFF feel about Balik Ambete, for example. Um, but so, so ultimately, she has to kind of see if she can maintain the rule of law, order, and democracy, yes. order, order, and democracy. But the the other big thing, I mean, we we're just chatting about it, was that the DA says they are not going on the red carpet tonight, which I thought was like. You know, finally, because can I see <laughs> Helen Zilla in a ball gown ever again? I saw it two years ago in like the trail, the ostrich feathers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and, wait a minute. Let me ask and, you. And my point is, I'm glad. I'm glad that they are saying, you know, Parliament is not about the red carpet. Okay, but <laughs> do you have a problem with that whole red, red carpet scene that happens at Parliament for for the State of the Nation address? I do. Because do you feel... You feel what? That I feel that there should be, I mean, I think that there's a fine line between wearing a ball gown yeah. to Parliament, yeah. which as the, the, the leader of the good leader of the DA has erred on the side of wearing a ball gown. And that is, that is just wrong. People have some serious problems in this country. We have some serious matters at hand. Surely there is a fine line between dressing up and thinking that you're the Holly, the next best thing on Hollywood. And I believe me, I've actually stood there at the sidelines reporting. Oh, and and you think, good grief, really? You wore all this crazy stuff. Okay, but now hang on to Parliament. Share with Last us. Last year, I was there with the yellow lady. Okay. Oh, shame. I, shame. I I can't remember what her name is, but you know, she it's was best not to. I mean, she actually fainted from the stress. Well, subsequently, the, this is the thing. Um, she was the the one member of Parliament that everybody on Twitter decided to have fun with by creating all those memes. I remember they were. Comp- Comparing her to like a, a caterpillar, she was wearing this tight yellow dress. Yeah, it was very bad. With it, it was basically like a boob tube type of dress. It was shocking. And yeah, but it wasn't really. That was not the shocking part. The shocking part was the way she was posing 
on the red carpet because everyone was taking the pictures and she felt like a superstar and then she felt the burden of it. And my point is there must be, and this boils down to the women's news, there must be a way of presenting yourself as a powerful professional woman. Or like man, they, because or let's man. not forget the, the men, men as well. The men wear a suit. Listen, or they wear I, I distinctly remember a picture floating around on Twitter. I think it was from last year or two years ago. A man in a three piece suit and all three pieces were leopard print. He looked like a pimp out of a movie. It exactly. was, it was shocking. There, there must be some respect for the office and also some respect for the people. You are not Hollywood stars. You're the people's elected representatives. All right. So Treat if I'm, well. if I'm hearing you correctly, you saying that the red carpet should be reserved for Hollywood and not for the state Even of the nation Hollywood address. Hollywood starting to resist it. They wouldn't, <laughs> I, I heard certain stars wouldn't put their hands through the money cam at the Golden Globe. They were like, enough with this craziness. <laughs> so there you go. Tell me if you think this is crazy because I'm, I'm kind of on the fence with this story, but I, I, I know where I'm mostly leaning towards. There is a study which has been published in the Journal of Sexual Medicine. And according to a recent, uh, well, recent developments, a woman's walk reveals how many orgasms she has had. An energetic and free walk means a woman has been sexually fulfilled plenty of times, while a stiff walk means that she shows a sexual restraint. This really? Absolute. Why, why are women constantly being reduced to these things? To objectifying. People want to Object- look at us uh. and they want to say, because she walks in a certain way, she's had X number of orgasms and she's fulfilled. Whereas, you know, Tandeka over here is walking a little bit stiffly. Like she's stiff. So clearly this, why does this keep happening? Why would somebody actually research that? That's what's like most fascinating to me. Oh, I don't craziness, but it does lead us to the other big news of the week, which yeah. is the 50 shades of gray. As, as I understand it, there is a special screening happening in parts of the country this evening. I don't know if it's throughout all cinemas in, in the country, if it's just a, a Joburg thing, but I do know that there's a special 50 shades premiere happening this evening. I suspect and, and that it's, it's probably just in Johannesburg. For months and around the world, it's like sold out, hey? Sold out, sold out. And here's my thing. Suddenly, BDSM. Yeah. Apart from the fact that a hundred million like people's mothers are like into BDSM. Oh, it's now going to be like oh sort dear, of oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. popularized even further. I don't. Okay. First of all, did you read any of those 50 shades books? I, I read the first one. I felt it was incumbent upon me to read it. Okay. They're super badly written. Well, this is what everybody has said. Have you read it? I no, I haven't read the entire book, the entire series, but I do remember um, the books being delivered to us in the studio no, actually, they were delivered to Gareth to distribute to the women in his life. And then Gareth decided that I was going to be one of the women that he gave <laughs> these books to because, you know, he thought I wanted to read it. But then I never actually read the book. But what I've been seeing from critics who have seen the movie is that if you've read the book and then you go and watch the movie, you're probably going to be let down by the actual movie. People are expecting, I don't know what they're expecting, if, if it's pornography or if it's something that is very explicit. There are only 20 minutes of sex in this movie. What? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that is big news. I think it's quite interesting for me just 
that the idea that Dakota Johnson is now super famous. She is the daughter of Melanie Griffith. And I just want to put this out there. Do it. When Melanie Griffith became famous, it was for Working Girl. And it was about power suits and all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder, you know, maybe I'm extrapolating too far, reading too much into this. But it's kind of sad to me that 20 years later, the role that has like captured women's imagination, a hundred million women's imagination of a woman who essentially has no, she works in a hardware store. She has no ambitions whatsoever. She's definitely not a working girl. And she's like totally enthralled to some like sort of strange fellow who's like sort of just a billionaire who comes along and ties her up. This is worrying people. <laughs> no, but okay, let me, let me interrupt you there because it sounds to me like you, you want to somehow judge the choices that this woman has made in terms of where her career is going no, in the I'm not movie, judging. blah, blah, blah. I'm, just, no? I'm not judging. I'm just, um, I might be slightly judging because oh, okay. I do think all that right. she submits to all the BDSM because she's enthralled to him. It's not because it's her, it was always her delightful fantasy and he does beat the crap out of her at some point. What? Yes. What? No, 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 no. No, but like, wait, I'm are you giving, talking? I'm giving like sort of, um. But I mean, are you talking about domestic violence spoilers. or are you no, talking about no, spanking a, and? No, in a consensual environment, she agrees to let him spank her, but he spanks her so hard that she realizes, oh my word, this is actually quite. So she wants to save him. I think all these things are very strange and bear some discussion. But we shouldn't have the whole discussion right now. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I came across, um, the other day. And I think that this is fascinating. It's what m- medical specialists and scientists are calling a scientific miracle because uh, a, a woman who is mostly male in terms of her chromosomes, she's got 95% male chromosomes. So she's got the X and the Y, not the double X. But she's managed to give birth to two perfectly healthy babies, twins. An Indian woman uh, who discovered that she had mostly male chromosomes has given birth to healthy babies. And scientists are calling this a medical miracle. Apparently, she <laughs> went through an entire year of fertility treatments. Um, you know, when the doctors diagnosed her, she wasn't even aware that she had this condition. And then her husband, who, you know, could have very easily said something wrong with you, was very supportive of her. Her said, husband, given 95%, could probably have carried the twins himself. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> and this is and this is part of what makes it the miracle is doctors had said, there is no way that you're going to be able to give birth to these babies. First of all, they had to develop her uterus because it wasn't fully developed. She went through this entire course of medication and therapy and this and that. It's all very scientific. But uh, today, well, the most uterus transplant has happened. So perhaps we're only but minutes away yeah. from the first man actually bearing a baby. I am all for that because you know, you know what I was saying to my boyfriend not too long ago. I said, I wish that you could biologically carry a child because then this would really be a fifty-fifty thing. Exactly. Well, that was the woman's news today. I think we need a jingle. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you? You know what? We're going to, we're going to play the jingle as for we which play the jingle. Yeah, um, we're still testing these out, but we'll do that. And then we'll go into a song and then we'll go straight into our topic for today. Which is pretty fascinating. Well, just, just give us a brief roundup or brief int- introduction into that. We were having a sort of Marie Claire beauty 
judging award ceremony thing where we judge the best products. And so with the various delightful beauty editors of various publications, and we got onto the subject mm. of curly hair, and it transpired that across races, cultures, um Population preferences, whatever the case may be. So basically any woman on the any planet. Any woman on the planet, there seems to be a bias against curly hair, uh, in the professional environment. And so we've invited a couple of, um, these lovely beauty editors and All we're right. going to discuss it. Okay. We're going to unpack the situation right here on Between Two Frames, cliffcentral.com. Cliffcentral.com. All right, then. Um, that was Iggy Azalea. Um, right. Let's get straight into this because apparently there is some kind of discrimination happening in the workplace where if you have curly hair, you're taken less seriously as a woman than if you have straight hair. But then we know that as women, we are never really satisfied with the way that we look. When we have curly hair, we straighten it. When it's straight, we put rollers in it or we, you know, GHD it. We're never really satisfied as women. I don't want to mention names here because this is a very, this person exists in the world right now. Yeah, yeah. But I have watched this person's hair trajectory. And so when she was in a more junior position, she used to leave her hair curly. Her personality was like light, fluffy, da-da-da. As soon as she got promoted to a senior management position, let's put it that way, yeah, she started straightening it every day. Okay. Like now she has straight hair. All right. Never. I haven't seen the like little curly sort of light-hearted. And, and for me, this was, I also just want to say, a white woman. And I found this fascinating. I could not believe. And I'm saying this purposefully because I do think that there is a bias against natural hair. And, and we will ask people leaving their hair in their, in its curly state. Um, okay, then, well, let me we just, have some guests. yeah, let me just let you in on who's joining us for this conversation this afternoon. First of all, on the line, we have the MD of the MET project, Matate Stofile. And then joining us in studio, we've got the owner of Bolemo Foundations and the former beauty editor at Destiny Magazine, Lebohang Malatze. Ladies, good afternoon and thank you for joining us today. Hi. Hi. Okay, Hi. fantastic. Um, okay, so, are we saying that there, are we saying that there is a preferred look when it comes to a woman's hair in the workplace, possibly in a certain position in terms of the people taking you seriously? I think there is, I think there is, there's an I idea that if you look, the idea of what looks groomed, yeah. firstly, mm. is, is very biased. And I think sleek, straight hair gives the impression and I don't know why this is. That's why I think it's so important to unpack it. But that Le- you are more professional than other people and that you are more powerful, perhaps. Lebohang, is this not just a trend thing? Maybe right now straight, sleek hair is in. And then, you know, a few years ago it was, you know, the curly thing. I mean, are we maybe reading too much into this? What do you say? I don't think it's necessarily a, a trend thing. I just think that, um, especially in a very corporate 
corporate environment, um, the very sleek look looks, well, to many people, looks more professional. Mm. Um, like, I think as a black woman, if you have natural hair, there are some people going to be like, mm, I don't know, maybe this one is going to be going on some tangent or has too many ideas. It, it, I think the sleek hair also looks very controlled. So it gives maybe a, a sense of you're more powerful or you're in a, like you're saying, a senior position or whatever it is. Maybe that's how... See, that's Michelle Obama hair. Well, Michelle Obama's yeah. hair is, I mean... It's caused controversy. Why has it caused controversy? I've read numerous articles about how... I don't know, Michelle... Michelle Obama's hair implies... Um, power, it implies control, it implies all these things that Lebo is talking about. Okay, but uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Michelle Obama wears her hair in the kind of set that a lot of black women do. She they, she straightens it, maybe she relaxes it, and then she, you know, she flat irons it. That's what Michelle Obama does with her hair, right? Yeah, well, it's, not it's, it's not it's in its natural state, necessarily. Yes. And it just makes us wonder whether if she had her natural hair, would people be more accepting of her or mm. are they going to say she's radical, you know, and yeah. she's not like um, a proper first lady where they have to be like, you know, always in order. So Matakla has a really interesting story. Mm. Matakla, go ahead. Um, well, I, I have two, I have two things that I want to hear actually. The one story is regarding a friend of mine and this happened in Johannesburg. It's a real story. But the first thing I wanted to, to chat to you guys about that I found, I found myself chatting over just a few weeks ago when they started the season of Scandal, of The Fixer. Yes. Kerry Washington was away on an island on holiday and she had her hair curly and like beach oh. wave vibe. And as soon as she got back to the city to go and fix things and be taken seriously as The Fixer, mm. and it was back to straightened and, you know... To Michelle Obama I did not pick that up. I totally picked it up. The story that uh, I told us about a few weeks ago was a friend of mine who works for a company here in Johannesburg, and it's quite a creative company. It's not a very corporate, uh, stiff, um, conservative environment in any way, but it's a very creative company. And she wears her hair uh, in an effort. It's quite a long um, and it's beautiful. It's thick, thick, healthy afro, and it always styles beautifully. Uh, but her boss was a female white lady, um, probably in her early fifties, I would say. She always has taken uh, an issue with my friend's hair. She always kind of has comments, or she'll, you know, have kind of snide comments to make. And the one time she actually said to her, to my friend, "You need to do something about your hair because it's starting to look like a gollywog." Whoa. Which for me, you could take her directly to, your friend should be taking this lady straight to the CCMA or. Or Human Rights? The Human Rights Commission, actually. That is the most outrageous thing. It it was, I mean, I was, I was hugely offended on her behalf. Yeah. Obviously, very offended as well. And she, she resigned. She was just like, yes, can't take the abuse anymore. But I was disappointed that she didn't take it further because I did feel like it was something that needed to, to be in the spotlight. And people just need to, as much as you have unpack these things a little bit more. Now, Aspasia, why are we saying that this thing is, you know, across the board, across all spectrums, color, race, as, as a woman, as any woman, uh, seemingly the way that you wear your hair, will either put you in a lot of trouble 
at work in terms of people taking you seriously or not? Well, I mean, this is something that you and I have discussed previously because of your news reading position. Yes. So there is news reading here. Isn't there? <laughs> yes, no, you know what? You're absolutely right. There so is. news reading News reading here is, and this I know from, um, we once interviewed a CBS journalist here. Um, about the missing girls in Nigeria. She'd just been there. Now, that particular journalist knew that she had to actually present her hair yeah. in a particular way on CBS, which is one of the biggest networks in America. There is news reading hair. There is hair that will get you taken seriously as a woman and hair that won't get you taken seriously. As a journalist, she had to project a very particular, um, Impression, and that impression is kind of neat, Michelle Obama hair. I'm back on this thing, but it's, or Kerry Washington when she's fixing things. There is a certain type of hair that will get you taken seriously and certain hair that won't. And I wonder why there is this bias. Well, that's a good question to ask. Let me bring you back in here. Who is setting the standard for this acceptable hair as a, for a woman to be taken seriously. Is it other women in the industry? Is it society? Is it the, who is, who's setting this precedent? Well, at first I was going to say, um, men, but it's actually probably other women judging them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, about how, um, good they look because we do judge each other, you know, and, um, but you've seen it in the, the work environment and it's like, I come from, uh, um, print media magazines and all of that. So you will get, if it's, let's say, a, a white woman, you will get the, the one who has like the curly, like fluffy, bouncy hair and she's probably like wearing a caftan and all of that. <laughs> and then you're sounding biased yourself. There. No, I am, but I'm telling you that, that obviously most things that would come to mind is that, Oh no, you know, she's just kind of like, uh, chilled out and she probably does yoga and all of that. And, you know, and if you had to like maybe put her in a corporate environment, obviously most people would be like, I don't know. Am I really going to take her seriously? Like she can run a multi, uh, multi-million dollar company or something like that. So, uh, you know, when you're saying do women or men judge, I don't know. Like, but I think it's mostly women to be honest with you. Matata, let me ask you, d- does this then just go back to, you know, society's expectations of how women should look in order for them to be accept- accepted by certain, or by society, not even by certain people, but just by society. I mean, is this what this boils down to yet again? <laughs> I I think that it's, I think it's a very subliminal thing. And I think it, 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 it has a lot to do with the images that we're constantly exposed to. Whether it's at home, mm. whether it's the, it's the TV ad that never shows curly hair, that the model in the TV ad always has a straight, shiny, slick hair, whether it's, it's magazine editorial, it's just the, the image, or whether it's, it's at the office, where maybe you're the only person with curly hair in the whole office. So I think it's a whole bunch of things, and, and, and subliminally they just start working at your subconscious, and you start making decisions with, you know, without really... <laughs> thinking into them, but they're sort of automatic, but um, they're not really decisions in a way. It's almost, it's almost conditioning, almost, for me. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I agree that it's conditioning. I mean, I do think that in South Africa it takes on an extra layer where it does become about race. And, mm. and so here was this woman who was clearly, I mean, if you questioned her, she wouldn't say she was racist and her assumptions no. were racist. Yeah. But... What she was saying was incredibly racist and appalling, but 
It's also something that, I mean, I thought was quite closely linked to sexuality and youth and um, ageism in the sense that, you know, there's a thing of like when you have long flowing hair that goes down your back. That's ideal. It's an ideal. It's mm-hmm. a sexual ideal mm-hmm. and it has to be groomed and like kind of, it can be kind of curly and free and, you know, like Blake Lively hair. Mm. Let's put it that way. But it's like hair that's reserved for young women. And then if you're an older woman, you must cut your hair. There's definitely mm. a cut-off line. Now you must cut it because you don't look – you look like mutton dressed as lamb. Oh, dear. So there's that. But we were also discussing – I mean, and I think a lot of that comes into the idea of are you a professional being? So in a sense, if you have the sexual hair that implies sexuality – Mm. Which is like this free, wild, crazy hair, then maybe you're not also like a professional person. So you almost have to cut off that part of yourself, that real feminine, dangerous part. Yeah. The Medusa hair. And now you have to have this like sort of safe, mm. not so dangerous hair in order to be taken seriously. But then also at the same time, the kind of hair that makes you, you know, appealing sexually to, you know, to men and then also to your other colleagues and that kind of thing. Because, you know, when we speak about these ideals, the ideal is that, well, you should present yourself in a way that makes you look the most appealing to other people. And again, it goes back to this thing of, well, women being expected to please everybody else's eyes or yeah. is, is, is that is that a fair statement to make it is because look i have natural hair and i've always had natural hair um well yeah in my adult life <laughs> um and i think that the the whole thing of like flowing wavy beautiful hair sleek hair all of that stuff it does kind of like set a stand of what maybe what men find attractive you know um like a certain type of guy would approach me if maybe if I had a long flowing weave and all of that stuff. Whereas if I have my short natural hair right now, a Come different on, type of You hair. told us that men did approach you once no, when you I'm tried saying, on the weave for a I story. Did, I did. And suddenly. Those, I'm saying different types of men approach you according, like, with the, if you change your hairstyle. So I think that experiment works. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think. I yes. Yeah, my title come oh. in. Oh, sorry. Sorry, that it's a little bit bad, um, and I'm also in the car and it's raining, so I'm struggling to hear much. So sorry if I'm completely off what Leo was saying. No, go ahead. But, um, but 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 there's something else I found interesting when I was on the internet yesterday, just kind of uh, looking up about this topic, and it, it's so interesting to me how the term hair, when you just think of hair, it defaults to a certain type of hair, and that hair is usually the slick straight long hair that you see in the hair ad. Every other type of hair then becomes so you have to describe it. So it has to be how to treat your curly hair, how to take care of your ethnic hair or or how to how to treat your your dyed hair. But the but the straight long hair is kind of the norm. But in my head I'm thinking, well how many people in the world actually have completely straight hair besides Asian people? I mean a lot of people have to their hair before you get to that but it's interesting to me how we see that hair as kind of the norm that's just what the term people yeah it's kind of crazy mm. you know what i find interesting is when women 
<laughs> when we as women distinguish between, like, for example, Lebohang, you said, you know, I have natural hair. And I think that it's almost a little bit comical that we've, we've come to the state where somebody has to say, well, no, it's fake hair. Like it's a weave <laughs> or it's braids or it's this or it's curly or it's, but I have, I have natural hair. Like, am I the only one who finds us a little bit on the hysterical side? Um, well, I don't really, maybe because I'm just so used to saying it. Yeah. Um, I mean, how else would you be able to describe it? I like, don't know. It's, to, what are you supposed to say? I have hair. Yeah. I have my hair. Well, I, have you know my, I have my hair. <laughs> and now I must go even further to explain to you that, that, no, this is the actual real thing. Or no, it's not fake. Or yeah, no, it's a hair piece. It's extensions. It's curly. It's an afro. It's a wig. It's this. It's that. It mm. seems a little bit, it's, it's a lot. It's, isn't it? Yeah, I, I hear you, but like, what exactly are you supposed to say, though? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, Aspasia, Matasha, you know, raises a fair question, I, I suppose, in the sense that, uh, you know, if you had to look at everybody and how their hair grows out of their scalp, scalp, how many people actually do have straight hair? And, you know, if you're walking around with straight hair, is it because that's how it grows out of your head or is it because you've manipulated it to look that way? Look, in my case, it truly is straight <laughs> hair. And I always wanted curly hair. Yeah. Which, um, and my mother who had, um, curly hair always wanted straight hair. And so when she was, um, pregnant with me, wished, Upon a star mm. That she would have a daughter with straight hair And lo and behold mm. I really did get it mm. But I mean there is in part this idea of Like we, we want what we don't have um, Which which I think plagues a lot of women But I also think that there is This like sort of We were just talking about Lebo and I were talking about Anna Winter versus Grace Coddington yes. So now Anna Winter is the like sort of The devil She's the boss. She has worn that like palmet of hair <laughs> since the eighties. I mean, it was, it. yeah. So that has become her signature look. I but mean, it's, it's, it's kind of cut into a bob and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's short. Yeah, everyone knows it. I yeah. mean, when they create little Lego dolls, I just saw they've just done fashion Lego dolls of, um, all the, fa- uh, the front row. That is like a sort of signature hairstyle. She wears that little bob. And it's um, perfectly groomed. Apparently, she gets it blow-dried twice a day. Wow. And she is an incredibly powerful and That's scary woman. People are scared of her. Yeah. So she plays her tennis in the morning at 6 or 4, whatever time she wakes up and does that crazy devil stuff. And then she <laughs> blows dry, blow-dries her hair, gets a professional blow-dry twice a day. Mm-hmm. That is That is insane, firstly. Secondly, though, but think about the roles. And then there's Grace Coddington, mm. who is the... What, what does her hair look like? She's the creative director now. And her hair is this big orange mop. <laughs> yeah. No, truly. Okay. She's also iconic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's like yeah. huge. I remember seeing her in Paris um, having tea at the Hotel Maurice, um, which was whilst the Ritz was closed. The entire fashion world had moved to... The Hotel Maurice And there was Grace Coddington from I saw her in all the mirrors Like reflected a million times This wild hair Because you know she's the creative one She's free She's the one that like has the You know the I must travel kind of stuff It's very interesting Because to me Women fall into these archetypes All the time Mm. 
she is equally powerful. She is equally working just as hard. But the idea of her is that she's this creative free spirit as Lebo was describing her. And the real business, the real devil in the works, the, the chief is, um, to use last week's word, the chief bitch. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hey? Is, um, um, Anna Winter with her little perfect twice a day blow dried hair. These are archetypes that we seem to fall into and I, I'm, I'm still fascinated. It's like Mantel was saying about how we're so conditioned, you know, into thinking that this is what means powerful and I'm in control and this is what means, you know, and like you're saying, both of them are, are equally talented in the fields, but it's just, yeah, that's a tough one. But I would also like to just um, add that it would be quite interesting to hear from, let's say, people who are um, CEOs or whatever it is. Like if you had to ask them, okay, if these two women walked in and you want somebody to be your MD, yeah, which one would you choose because first impressions last? Yes, right? this is true. This is I true. Would, I would like to find that out, actually. I would also like to find that out because I think I think that it also has – it it might have something to do with maybe if you see the kind of hairstyle or the kind of hair texture that you're not familiar with, it, it maybe it scares you and makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable. And then because of that, you translate it into, well, I couldn't possibly trust you with something as important as this position that I'm offering you. <clears throat> I remember watching a series. It was an old series um, in the in, in the 90s. And there was this one scene where this guy, is having a conversation with his boss and he is one of two people who's going to be considered to be hired. And his boss said to him, you know what? You are, you are ready for this position. It's, it's yours. You're qualified. You have all the, you know, all the things that we're looking for to fulfill this position. But if you just got rid of your dreadlocks, you know, mm. that would seal it for you because your dreadlocks are a little bit, you know, they're weird and they're intimidating. And I think that that speaks a lot to how mm. people look at you and then perceive you in a work environment when they see something that makes them feel a little bit nervous, something that they don't understand and something that they cannot relate to, mm-hmm. it it plays a role in how seriously they then take you as their colleague or maybe even as their superior and boss. Well, you know, I was just, sorry, my mind just went somewhere else. Um, I was uh, talking to this other girl um, at a hair salon the other day and she she also has like short hair mm. and then she wanted to color it but she's like you know what? um I'm starting a new job soon so I don't know if I, I can actually color in another hair let me go and ask them first before like I do anything yeah. you know and it does matter like like especially going to a new job like how it, it actually made me wonder why was she so concerned I mean she mm. still got the brains and the smarts and everything else she got the job but she was just like so freaked out about actually just walking in with a different hairstyle especially how big is how big of a role does hair color play because again you know it, it I don't know something as little as the color of your hair also stereotypes well, you if you're a, a blonde stereotype. you're perceived to be a certain woman if you're redhead you know, you're kind of like the ugly stepsister type thing. I mean, they always I think with redheads, I think people have assumptions that they're just sexually feisty, <laughs> which is completely crazy. I mean, why? It's, it's, it's just like the women's news that we were talking about before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way she walks, how many walkers? I mean, really. Yeah. As a study. And they me- should, uh, you know, a legitimate scientific study. So I do think that there are perceptions which are completely unfounded because 
take Hillary Clinton. Mm. She is a blonde, mm. and I think she is quite possibly one of the most powerful women in the world. And so, or even Madeleine Albright was a was a blonde. And so, um, Christine Lagarde, the head of the IMF. Also a blonde. Yeah, I hope she, she's not involved in like sort of extreme but then sexual is, practices like her former, oh. the former <laughs> yeah, no. leader of the IMF. Where is currently on trial. Where do these stereotypes then come from? This whole thing of hair color predetermining the kind of woman that you are. Where does this thing, you know, this, these statements of, ah, blondes have more fun. And you know, that whole, th- where does that come from? It's just hair color for crying out loud. Why is it so? It's us, the media. <laughs> are you blaming us, Neville? <laughs> well, that I'm, is just crazy. <laughs> I this stuff. That is just wrong. If, wrong. If, if we are to blame, then we must just take responsibility for it, surely. Oh, yes. No, maybe. No. I don't think we're to blame. I think we might perpetuate. Ideas that uh, have have and that and that that is something that we should be considering. But um, I don't think we're to blame. I think that possibly, quite possibly, because blondes are quite rare, natural blondes mm. in the the world. Mm. There is a lot of. Like, I mean, I mean, in Sweden, they're not rare, are they? They're not rare, but <laughs> the Swedish population, in terms of like a whole global situation, is quite small. As a percentage. Yeah. And so I think that the idea of rarity creates its own um, fascination. And so then ideas around, you know, they must be much more desirable or interesting. So I think that is kind of fascinating. In, mm. in, um, and, and I think that, that, that is, but I think hairstyles, like, I mean, I mentioned Christine Lagarde mm. again. Mm. I met her. When she was out here, and apparently she's coming out here again, she was the Minister of Finance um, in France. Her hairstyle was, again, quite a short, quite a masculine hairstyle. I mean, there was no doubt that she walked in the sense of a woman who had a lot of orgasms <laughs> because she looked so, she looked like she was, you know, quite happy in herself, and she looked very sexual. I can't describe why this was my feeling. She had some killer jewels on. Well, maybe you were just attracted hairstyle. to her, and that's okay. Well, that's but her hairstyle okay. was very masculine. Yeah. Listen, Mabs, we're uh, not moving into uh, that uh, territory. No, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> They're sticking to the hairstyle. The hairstyle, however, was like pre-masculine. So she had this white hair, uh, which was again cut into quite a severe bob, and she looked like a woman who was in charge of the finances of France and now she's in charge of the IMF. And so she looked manly. So then maybe that's why I found her like uh, quite attractive. (laughs) So then what are we saying? That women who assume very powerful positions then try to detract from that whole, you know, sexualized thing where the long flowing locks are, you know, they attract the wrong kind of attention for you when you really just want to be taken seriously. Is that what we're saying? I think that is what we're saying. Um, I just remember this argument was going on on Twitter the other day about hairstyles and all of that. You know, um, this movie Sama that just came out. Yes. And uh, Ladisi sang on the movie. She was in the church choir and I think uh, whoever was portraying Martin Luther King uh, asked her to sing and she sang beautifully this church song. Now, 
at the Grammys to introduce Common and John, John Legend. They got Beyonce to sing the same song. Mm-hmm. So people are arguing about like, why didn't they let the dog go with the dreadlocks sing the song because she's from the movie? It's yeah. not like they'd ask Rihanna to sing, uh, at last from that other movie that Beyonce did, right? Straight afterwards. Mm-hmm. And people are saying it's because she had a more acceptable image, you know, the long flowing hair. She's beautiful and all that. And Ladisi is because she's dark and she's got dreadlocks. And therefore, maybe she's not as well known. And why would she? I mean, it doesn't really make sense since she was the character. She sang the song in the movie. Why wouldn't she be able to sing at the Grammys? And I thought that was quite an interesting thing that maybe Beyonce is more pleasing to the eye. You know, I mean, Ladisi can sing. She mm. can sing really, really well. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And dreadlocks, there is another. I mean... I don't know if anyone will take anyone seriously if they come for a work interview with dreadlock. Which is very unfortunate. It is unfortunate. But it's, um, uh, you know, it's a very interesting. We had a photographer at um, the Sunday Times who's still there, Marianne Schwankart. She is a mountain climber. She's climbed like she's busy climbing seven peaks and a photographer. So she's on the photographic staff at um, the Sunday Times and has this full head of dreads that she's been growing for. Do they go all the way down to her bum? They go down to her <laughs> bum, which is quite amazing. And oh, there's a white lady. Yes. Yeah. And up she climbs. And it's quite interesting to me because, I mean, I think she had that space to grow that hair because she was in the photographic department. She's a photographer. She's a creative. She can do what she likes. She can... Um, you know, she's a creative. She's a creative. Nobody's demanding that she becomes the next editor. So she was the head of news or whatever it is. You don't think that she would have? I don't know. I don't know. That's my that that was my other point. Is that it's the news hair? If you have news hair, (laughs) no, it is. And the news girls, yeah, the news girls all had a uniform Mm. which they wore. Which was a black suit. It was like really a scary uniform, mm. I have to say. A black suit, the horrible black suit and sort of very groomed short hair. Always, like no longer than their, their, um, shoulders. Mm. And, and I always found it really interesting that this was the dichotomy. There was the photographer with the dreadlocks down to her bum and the um, I, I, I news ladies in the black suits. Yeah, I don't think we can really do anything right now to change it. I mean, unfortunately, that's the way how the world works. What about no hair? Because, you know, if you're a woman and you're bald, all of a sudden there's this <gasps> this gasp, this what, what, what is wrong with you? Do you have alopecia? Maybe you're battling cancer. Like like a woman. Oh, you've just like lost a, the plot. A, like woman is not a, a woman is not allowed to be bald. Or you like have a very uh, strong personality, like you're gonna be challenging somebody. Yes, you know? yes. You won't just be what, there. What? 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 What is that all about? Where does that come from? Again, it, it's that whole thing of well, you know, as a woman, you're supposed to have these long flowing locks, but well, you're supposed to have it. But I mean, this is where hair is so powerful. I mean, we don't need Samson and Delilah to tell us, but all the fact that in in so many con- in so many religions mm. and countries, you cover up your hair. Mm. Like hair is potent with import it Mm. says so much and it's dangerous that's why they cover it up because to see your hair in its natural state could like sort of 
result, I don't know, in and men having could, like sort of... Yeah, it could result in the ex falling off its axis and then all of a sudden things go horribly so, wrong. I mean, it's just... <laughs> there you go. And so women without hair, yeah. which is, you know, meant to be your crowning glory. That is that is a very I mean it's also like incredibly difficult. I remember we ran we ran a project with um, cancer to to buy cancer patients wigs mm, mm. because not having that hair is like it's it's so intimately related to your womanhood and yeah. the way you perceive yourself that those women who didn't have it on their heads mm. because it had quite literally fallen off as opposed to it was a choice. Mm. Um it's a very, it's a very emotional thing. And I've heard, and I've actually, um, heard of, um, like women saying their boyfriend asked them to grow their hair if they had it short. Like, oh no, you look prettier with longer hair yeah, or whatever yeah, it is. And yeah. I'm like, what? I don't know. Okay, well, I suppose as a way of just, you know, wrapping up the conversation because we have run out of time. Um, this is going to be an ongoing thing because, you know, women and their hair, it's, it's, it's quite a complicated relationship. You body know. politics. It is. Maps, body politics. <laughs> but, um, you know, as a way of just, I don't know, like we, you know, we have these conversations and then we keep them going. What, what are we, what are we saying then at the end of the day that, you know, if, if your, your work environment and your boss and your superior, whoever is expecting you to look a certain way, then just comply with that. You know, it's the same as you can't wear a club dress into the office and therefore you must wear your hair a certain way. Is this what we're saying? Or are we saying, no, people must just grow up and they must get over the fact that, hey, listen, this is how my hair grows out of my scalp. What do you want me to do? Just get over it. What are we saying? Um, no, I, 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 I'm not the type of person to comply. You know, I do what she pleases does me. not comply. <laughs> yes. I do whatever pleases me. And I think that, um, like you're saying, people need to grow up. Yes, it won't be an overnight thing. But, um, I think as long as you feel confident with yourself and comfortable and, you know, I think somebody's going on about, hey, your hair's not dry, whatever it is. And you're kind of like going, oh, okay, maybe I should change it. That's when the problem starts. Mm. But I think if you have the confidence and you're out there and be like, this is me, you know, I can do this job, then people will eventually learn to live with it. I, I feel so upset about that friend of Matahle's. I'm like, I want to take up the cudgel. The yeah. fact that she yeah. I want to find that woman who, who actually dared to say that. The mm. fact that, that, that she actually left her place she of left. work. She resigned. And that is an indictment. That is it's a horrible story. And that's why I wanted it heard today. Yeah. Because mm. the fact that somebody could say that to another woman and to a woman in our country, good grief. I mean, really, the shame of it. But, yeah. So is there a bias? I think we've concluded that there is a bias. There is a bias Definitely. and and maybe it's just down to you in terms of how you, you know, how you play into it. Do you play into it? Do you just kind of toe the line or do you, you know, do you stand up for your rights and, you know, climb up on the rooftops and say, no, this is my hair and you must just deal with it. Really, it's just hair at the end of the day. And this brings to a wrap uh, today's edition of Between Two Femmes right here on cliffcentral.com.